He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kei aku whakataitai ki te whenua, kei aku i horai tēnā tātou katoa. Koutou rā, kua tahuri mai ki te kaupapa nei, o in the past few weeks, we've sat down with Māori academics who talked about their work as captured in the book Nā Kite Mā Tauranga, Māori scholars at the research interface. This week, in the final of the series, there's lots to unpack with Dr Morehu MacDonald. Māori leadership in the mid-19th century faced the most devastating impacts that Māori society had ever experienced. Māori leadership responded with many forms of resistance to the threat of Western civilization. Ideological resistance, political resistance, spiritual resistance, military resistance and passive resistance to prevent the total destruction of Māori knowledge systems and our unique way of life. With iwi and hapu links to Ngāti Mahuta, Waikato Tainui, Ngāti Maniapoto, Ngāti Ingoa, Ngāti Ngutu and Ngāti Hamua, in 2018 Morihu graduated Doctor of Philosophy Indigenous Studies. But the rise of the scholar as a historian, lecturer and academic began in Okauia Matamata, within Te Rohe o Kōperu. Our conversation coming up. E te etzi me te rahi nau mai anō ki ngā kite kōrero e hariake nei. Ko te ahikā tēnei, this is Te Ahikā on RNZ National. Rapua te mea ngaro is the name of Dr Morehu MacDonald's chapter in the book. It is also the name of the wharekai at his marae Henerangi Tāwhaki in Matamata. It's derived from a tongi, a prophetic saying from King Tafiao, who urged his followers to draw on their hidden potential in the face of adversity. King Tafiao, uh, the second Māori king, uh, when he was in Taranaki with the uh, prophets of uh, Te Whiti Mai and Tohu, mm-hmm. and I think just after the invasion of, of, of the Waikato and culminating in the uh, Battle of Oraka in 1864, then uh, hearing of the confiscation that took place of the of the lands, 1.5 or so million acres of Waikato land. So his uh, response was, um, uh, So um, you stay here, seek after the, the you know the hidden potential. Basically, is what he's saying. Uh, uh, from the Whakatauki, whilst for me, mine is to return to uh, my people in the, the valleys of the Waikato. My tears will be my sustenance, you know, for a yeah, very uh, spiritually based uh, saying in terms of, you know, the um, providing a guide for uh, resilience of survival, of strength uh, for our people having suffered, you know, from the invasion of the Waikato, the loss of our lands, um, and then also um, how do we uh, move forward? You know, you write about your mother, Hini Rawiri, as an exemplar of the intergenerational transfer of knowledge. And there's actually quite a few um, things you've drawn in terms of your upbringing. Mm. Um, so in what ways was this done? How old were you? And did you realise at the time that you would become somewhat of a repository of knowledge? No, not really. But uh, I think it's, um, you know, just the way um, mothers do. They, you know, well, 
we'll just keep talking about, you know, oh, you must go and see your nanny, go down there, and when you're down there, go and see, you know, your, your uncle, as much as she could do with her, you know, at that time in the, in the 70s, I guess, you know, limited resources would go to land meetings and take me along there just to listen kind of thing, but didn't really want to be there, you know, being, being um, you know, feeling, oh, there's much more exciting things than being <laughs> in a boring meeting, but you kind of absorb that and go to different marae, and so she was uh, always uh, keen to keep the links alive, um, you know, because I mentioned in my whakapapa we go to uh, Waikato, Tainui at um, Tauperi there, so it was, you know, always whānau there, mm-hmm. then it was over at Maniapoto, keeping those, you know, so it would be hopping around the place yeah. and, and going down to Taranaki, you know, whānau down there and, and land meetings mostly. <laughs> but it sort of left a lasting sort of impact yes. and, and um, probably that started the sort of inquiry sort of notion. In fact, it was Morehu's mother who encouraged him to research their Ngāti Maniapoto side. He remembers the story of his tūpuna, Whareeti of Ngāti Ngutu, understood to be just a teenager when he fought at the Battle of Orako in 1864. If our tūpuna didn't make it out of that, the Battle of Orako after being encircled by 1,500 you know, troops from the British um, military, yes. uh, and, and there was a... Um, told to me by one of my uncles, and it always stayed as a vivid um, picture in my mind. One of, um, he said, as kids, they used to, you know, sort of giggle at the Karaua, which is this um, survivor of the Battle of the Battle of Uraka, because he sort of walked around as a bit of a hunched over. You know, and kids are, you know, yeah, being kids. They, teasing. Well, something like that. But um, he told me that later on he, he, he found out that it was through that wound because um, he'd, he'd been shot and then um, pushed and, you know, bayoneted. Bayoneted, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was really the fact that he was able to sink into the swamp as as was, you know, trying to be, you know, done in, trying to be bayoneted, that sort of saved him. So it didn't go all the way through or something like that, but it did enough damage. But he's, he has managed to play, you know, dead until he, they, they left and he got across the Pūnui and survive. Yeah, so things like that. But those are little stories handed down. This passage from the book Ngā Kite Mā Tauranga, Māori Scholars at the Research Interface. There were no formal lessons. We learned by being, doing, listening, observing and imitating our kōmātua and tuakana, our older cousins. The sacred bond with the whenua was strengthened by our whakapapa from our tūpuna, who occupied the land and established our rangatiratanga and kaitiakitanga over the land and its resources. The sacred bond which was ingrained within us from childhood united us as Fano, hapu and iwi. You talk about mā tauranga a iwi, mā tauranga a hapu. What is mā tauranga? What does that mean to you? What it means is that what we don't want to have is a standardised approach to what is mā tauranga Māori. So the beauty of it is everything is different. You know, you go into one area and that might be the, you know, the iwi sort of perspective. You go to the hapu, it's quite different. Yeah. And in fact, the hapu are the ones that hold the, the richness of all the other, are the actual repositories of all the kōrero at the... At the Iwi level, that's more of a generic sort of um, standardised version, you know, but when you break it down, now this is where, you know, over there was where, 
on that rock was, you know, where Tupuna yep. sat, and this the par up the there's road. the par. So that those those are the places of um, of reality. So yeah, we we need to get away from just the, the standardised iwi and tell the and hold on to because I think another thing, I think those hapu stories are disappearing. We're getting into the standardised version, even for ourselves. Because it's easy just to trot out, trot out um, you know, uh, this is um, even now our pepeha. Well, it might be okay for Nati, but why not talk about the hapu pepeha, you know? Mm. And then Fano have the story too, and they have different, those are rich stories too. Those are going. Each generation will go, taking all of that with them. So from the whenua, you know, that's our link with um, Papatunuku and all of that. That's our, you know, that's our, that's our origins. That's our ancient origins. You know, and as I say, that's that, you know, keeping us grounded, rooted into the ground like the tree. And um, and we got to know those stories. You know, Tamariki Amokobona need to know those stories. But it should be Afano, Ahapu, and then Iwi, which is good. And an important part of Matauranga a Iwi is Fakapapa or genealogy. But we come out of the union from Hotsuro down to um, Fatihua through his descent from um, Uunuku Te Tarangi Hoka, from Uunuku Tarangi Hoka through to Tamapango, and Tamapango to Kōpuru to Tu Waiwai. Down Tu Waiwai was the daughter who married um, Tamure, who was um, uh, the son of um, Hinarangi, who was Hinarangi um, from the Tarawa side. So I brought together all these different unions in the, in the, in the marriage of Tamare, uh, being Tainui with uh, Hinari, the daughter of Kōpuru. And Kōpuru was the, the founding ancestor that came over from, from, the, from the shores of Kafia and out, out, out in the western harbours and uh, moved over to Matamata and made their uh, landfall at the foot of the Waitere Falls. And from there, that has a, a special link for us because that goes back to the um, origins of the navigator, explorer, at the same time of uh, Kupe. Uh, that was Nahue. So Nahue, when he uh, was on his journeys of discovery, had landed uh, in, in, on, in the Tauranga side, climbed the Kaimai and heard this, uh, the sound of the waterfall, went to investigate. That was the Wairere and he carried on through the lands down to, down to um, the South Island, brought back the, the Pounamu and uh, at the um, foot of the Wairere on his return he um, came across the moor. Uh, he slaughtered that and took back um, uh, in Calabashes, uh, the flesh of the moor to show the, the richness of the resources to the people back in Hawaii. For us, we, we hold that story, we hold that whole sort of uh, history and connection for those ancient um, uh, times um, as part of our identity. But as Morehu explains, identity as a people would be crushed by the crown, caused by war, the taking of land and policy implemented by settler governments. Again, drawing on the tongi, Rapua Te Mea Ngaro, for him it was about bringing back Nazi Henerangi from the brink of extinction. Why the spiritual foundation and the metaphor of uh, the hidden potential was really, was really to um, highlight the fact that Nazi Henerangi as a, as a hapu and a iwi had become so um, uh, driven to the point of cultural extinction through the, you know, the colonisation process. But that doesn't, to me, reflect really what the true intent was about. You know, that was they were here to 
take the land, uh, denigrate the people, and you know, put the the people in a um, a position of a non-entity that um, of powerlessness, basically. So the, um, the the Whenua is attacked at the same time as the Atuatanga, and the whole sort of you know the leadership part of it, you know, which is our Tohungatanga, our Atuatanga, is dismantled and is attacked and removed from having any power or authority over the control of our lives. And that, for me, is cultural um, genocide. And that is um, a practice that was um, acknowledged by, which I write about in my book, um, uh, my chapter and in my thesis, that was actually developed as a concept by um, Linsky. I think he was a Polish uh, lawyer uh, during 1945, um, post-Second World War, when they were going through and seeing what happened with the Jewish um, you know, Holocaust and what happened with the Nazis um, regime and, and Hitler, if you like, with, with all of what happened in the Second World War. And what he coined was the, the term combining the um, geno, I think it was the Greek, for, um, for people inside the killing of, you know, side of is, is the Latin name. So he combined those two terms to create a new term, genocide, and that's where we get the term the deliberate extinction or, or political and social destruction of a people. Lenski also um, coined was uh, cultural, cultural genocide. So I said there's, uh, there's a genocide, which is the dis- complete destruction of a people, but there's also, uh, as part of the um, whole process of you know, white supremacy, all of those sort of things, the empire, of colonisation, mm-hmm. was the removal and destruction of, of, a, of a culture. But uh, what I learned is that we, we weren't powerless uh, in, our, in our efforts to try and halt that uh, process of cultural, cultural genocide that was taking place. Because our tupuna, the likes of the Māori King movement, Tāwhiao, they could see that and they, could, they were experiencing that. They were living through that. So we tried everything from our, uh, our resistance, different forms of resistance. So there was um, our um, political resistance. There was obviously our military, but there was also... Um, putting in place our spiritual resistance as well. So all of these forms of resistance that, that we would you know, uh, attempt to um, push, back. push back and prevent the loss of our land because mm. you know, all of those things were, were happening right in front of the, the faces of our tūpuna in the 1860s, mid-1860s, and they had to deal with that, that major you know, life and death struggle crisis. And that was the most amazing turning point in the history of, our, of all of our people. But for us, uh, and I you know, have to come back to it in terms of Ngāti Hinalangi, what that meant is that um, we, we were just completely decimated and, and lost our leadership, lost our uh, control of our lands, our language, our culture. Rangahau is not a translation for research. In fact, the continued use of rangahau to mean a translation of research by Pākehā academics from mainstream universities and some Māori academics now needs to be called out as deliberate acts of cultural misappropriation by the Western Academy to negate and subjugate authentic traditional Māori epistemologies, philosophies, concepts, theories and paradigms. A passage from the article Rapua Te Mea Ngaro as featured in the book Nā Kite Mā Tauranga Māori Scholars at the Research Interface. 
when you eventually moved into your education tertiary uh, in the university space, mm. was it at all jarring to go from this way of being and doing and living and experiencing in your homelands to this kind of institution space? And how did you... Yeah, I suppose it was. It was a bit of a shock, a culture shock. Um, but I think at the same time, that sort of brought with it its, you know, um, you know the... the sort of involvement with Natamato because Natamato at the time was, you know, protest and it was all about articulating, you know, um, Māori rights, um, you know, honouring the, the te tiriti and all of those things. So I was able to join up with a lot of the... Um, um, John Ohia, yeah, Tamiti. Yeah, Tamiti, all of those. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, be in the forefront of that. Um, um, but at the same time, it was uh, also focusing, you know, we were focusing on, you know, very much the, the treaty and eventually became, you know, the the uh, treaty settlement um, process which was established by um, the, the Labour Party at the time to, you know, look into the treaty claim. So, that, you know, as, as well as the um, focus on the te reo with the... Mm. Body language petition, yeah. all of those. So there were practical outcomes that we, you know, it wasn't just America because we were labelled as, you know, stirrers or protesters or whatever. But there were practical um, things that we had in mind that we wanted to accomplish. And I think because we all were kind of in that sort of academic um, world at the same time and dealing with, you know, I would have confrontations with lecturers and things like that's not our history. You know, I majored in history. And said, "Oh no, that's not what I know from you know." Uh, so as soon as you started to challenge some of the um, um, academics, Parker, you know, there's always a bit of a pushback. And I think I was actually told I was being belligerent and things like that. Mm. I think it um, also became a motivator. You know, a that, motivator. Yeah, that became a point of motivation. I tend to, you know, take on those words. You know, see what what is the potential of where we're at. How can we, you know. Uh, ensure our survival and that we thrive, you know, through whatever the adversity that we're facing. Are you optimistic? Oh, totally, totally, totally optimistic. Uh, but but I think part of that op optimism, and I think this is something I've learned from uh, my masters when I did my masters were on Rewi Maniapoto. Is that optimism though has got to be sort of underpinned by real being realistic. In order to be part of the treaty settlement process, Dr MacDonald writes about how Ngāti Henerangi had to prove that they were indeed an iwi. The Crown challenged their eligibility. Even the people of Ngāti Henerangi, as he writes, did not consider themselves an iwi. While working on the claims and for his doctoral research, he developed a framework called POST, or P-O-S-T. It stands for Potama Oranga Survival Theory. This would help to define the key values, principles, knowledge systems and determinants as an iwi. In the, in the shape of the uh, Potama, basically the, the about 12 levels, although I've actually put in 10 of the levels that are the predetermined requirements of an iwi to come into existence and even to survive in today's terms. You know, so whenua is number one. Mm. So you have to have a whenua, basically. You have to have a rohe, you have to be able... Then there's a, the whanau, obviously, that comes in to be able to maintain that, and then from that, the hapu to actually... But with that, that's a description and through to the iwi. So the iwi is really established through a social, political sort of strata and layers. So once you have that, then you can go into different things like... Like um, tupuna, tupuna mm. are essential because that's our whakapapa. That gives us the, the links going right back, you know, to our, how we came into existence and 
and that is all our uh, different um, bodies of knowledge that were brought out from Hawaii, that were taught in our ancient um, Faleuanang and all of those and handed down generation to generation. It's only till we get to the point of colonisation that that's interrupted and that is lost. But so we're tracking that from uh, Tupuna, and then it goes to uh, goes to Tinoaranga Tiratanga, oh. and in maintaining that and how important that is. So Tupuna that establishes the, the authority of the people to mm. maintain their control of it. So it's not a matter of just having uh, the Fenua. Uh, you've got to maintain that over over time. So from uh, from the Tinoranga Tiratanga, Tupuna Tinoranga Tiratanga, then you go to Mana because Mana then goes to another level again in terms of being able to not only maintain it on a we were here first time basis, but you know it's the it's the uh, going beyond that. It's the prestige of of the Whakapapa, the ancient ties into the different um, you know um, senior lines of of Whakapapa, whether it's Rutainui, whether it's Tarawa. That's that's where we talk about mana whenua. That's how we talk about mana tangata. Okay, but these are all prescribed sort of requirements and determinants to establish iwi, you know. And um, so this is what uh, I um, had to work out what the structure is about. And then you get to the, the time where you talk about um, wānanga and you talk about um, wairua and you talk about atuatanga because it's at that peak, you know, yeah. that that you have that um, ability to be able to, um, even though those things are there, I mean, the peak of it is really, uh, you would say, if you invert that sort of model and say atuatanga comes first, well, without a solid foundation of, of, the, of, the, of the whenua, without that structure, it doesn't stand. He maha ona pūkenga. Dr McDonald is a former television producer and director and, as you've heard, a former member of Ngā Tamatoa. Today he is Head of Educational Delivery in Tāmiki Makaurau and Te Taitokirau for Te Wānanga o Aotearoa. In his chapter he describes himself as a kairangahau or knowledge seeker, from those early days as a teenager attending land meetings with his mother to the pinnacle of his academic career, he graduated with his Doctorate of Philosophy, Indigenous Studies, and received the Top Thesis Award and was also valedictorian in 2018 with Te Whare Wānanga o in April this year, Ngāti Henerangi's treaty settlement passed its final reading in Parliament. The iwi will receive a financial redress package of $8.1 million, a cultural fund, $20,000 towards rebuilding their marae, and 14 sites of cultural significance in the area will be returned. Until the, the Crown gives back you know, the whenua, which is the foundation in, of, of us as a culture, but also a source of our, um, our cultural and, uh, well-being and our financial you know, um, stability and well-being, we will never ever be in a, you know, in a position of equity with Pākehā. So if you like, there's a level there, we're still minus, 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 zero, 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 zero. We aren't even at the, the same level. Generally, that's what we can talk about homelessness today. We talk about imprisonment. We talk about failure in education, health. That's that's why. And um, one of the things that the treaty settlements did was never address that sort of nexus of of causal impact on of that on our people intergenerationally. You know, so what happened there? Oh no, that was all in the past. Here's a few million or whatever, less than that. Go away. We don't want to hear about you anymore. But for me, it's it's not over. You know, the, this is merely the beginning, uh, and it's because one justice has not been served. 
Two, it's not an, been an equitable um, settlement because well, what did we have, all have to do from our settlement? We had to buy back our, our own whenua. The inequity uh, is, is continuing, and for me, that's, that's the road to, um, cult, of cultural genocide to cultural extinction. Government, through its, uh, through its history, really, has not addressed, and it's through its so-called um, settlement, Crown Treaty settlements. It's, it's a ticking time bomb for me. It, it will come up again. And it's not a full final settlement mm. in any of these settlements. And certainly not in the case of Nati Hindalangi. You were the lead treaty negotiator? For a time there, yeah. Yes. So in the, in the most part of that, yeah. Mm. yeah. So, but um, again, the, the crown, crown is very divisive. It um, divides the people. It gets you know, the um, different cross-claimants, as they call them, fighting against each other. And then it just you know, sort of makes a call as to who's um, the biggest and makes the loudest noise. And it, it's not about an equal, uh, equi- equitable settlement at all. It's yeah. whoever has more, the more bigger population. And it's not, it shouldn't be about size. Natural you know, grouping, I think. They're natural defined. grouping, yes. Yeah. So for Ngāti Hinarangi, we're only a little iwi, maybe you know, a few thousand, but you know, as against multiple, multiple thousands of, of other iwi. But it shouldn't be about size. It shouldn't be about. It should be about justice. It should be about equity. And, and um, if there was, if it was really about that, that's why I say the treaty settlements are ne- have never been about finding a, a just settlement. Ko Morihu McDonald talking wa ahumaiau no tewi o Nati Hinarangi me ngahapu Nati Hinarangi mai mata mata tainatiki tauranga moana te ratutaha ko Nati mahuta te. Tewi reira o Waikato Tainui, ko PPP te whenua, te marae hoki, ko kaitotohe te pā, ko tēnei te pā o pōtatau te wherowhero, kei te tāho hoki o Taupiri Maunga, whakawhitia no kōra i Wainganui a Te Aumutu, ko tērā te kawairangatira o Ngāti Maniapoto, ko Ngāti Ngutu te hapu, ko Ngāti Pari te kaua, ko Pūnyu te awa, Ko tērā anō, ko kakepuku te maunga, uh, whakawhiti anō ki tērā uh, o nga, nga hapu o Ngāti Ruinui o Taranaki, uh, ko te hapu ara i reira ko nga Ngāti Hāmua. Tēnā koe te rangatira. Now the book, Nā Kite Mā Tauranga, Māori Scholars at the Research Interface, edited by Jacinta Ruru and Linda Waimare Nikura, is available at all good bookstores. Next week, a series about... Marakai. I'm in Kaitoke, just outside of Wellington, with Dr. Jessica Hutchings. I've got pukekos and rabbits. Um, you know, people talk about growing food. It's like, oh my God, pest management's the major. And possums oh, yeah, eating true. all the harvest from all the fruit trees. So I really need to think about um, oh, pest management. Yeah, and so this has really helped. And the other thing too, living at the bottom of the Demutaka Hill, is the wind factor. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email tiahika at rnz.co.nz or you can follow RNZ Tiao Māori on Facebook or Twitter. Kia pai tā koutou noho tahi, tēnā tātou katoa.